Samuel chapter 30 in your Bibles today, and man, what a great chapter this is, and man, I've uh, been camping out in 1 Samuel 30 all week, pretty much this week, and uh, the Lord's been speaking and teaching, and and I want to try to give you some things that I believe the Lord's given me, and some things I think that I think some things that will uh, that will go a long ways in helping you. And so, let me encourage you to really pay attention today, all of our young people. And uh, man, let's don't listen. Now's not the time to be texting and uh, and playing video games and and uh, things like that. Man, just listen up, listen up. And I want you to do your best to to stay still for me, if you will. We won't preach very long this morning. Uh, but we want to try to be a blessing and help some folks today. First Samuel chapter 30, when you find your places, if you'll stand with us today out of respect for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to stand, that is. First Samuel chapter 30, and I want you to look with me at verse number 1, and we're going to read down through the first 19 verses. And I, I, I really wish we could just read the whole thing. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but we're going to be using the whole chapter today. First Samuel 30, verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass... When David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. And then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, to Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went. He and the 600 men that were with him, they came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued. He and 400 men for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook be sore. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters, uh, two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, uh, his spirit came again to him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me because three days ago and I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight, 
even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. You may be seated this morning, and I want to talk to you uh, today and tonight, if the Lord uh, if the Lord wills it. I want to talk to you about that subject you see on the screen: how to encourage yourself. Now, here's the thing, church. You may be here this morning, and you may not need this message, but chances are you you might want to file this one away somewhere because there's a real good likelihood that you're going to need it at one point in your life. And everything may be great right now. And usually that's the case, especially with, with younger people. And I'm uh, uh, always amused. And, and I, I, you know, I was the same way, so I'm not picking at our kids. I, I was the same way. But I remember saying, boy, I can't wait till I'm older. Man, oh, man, I can't wait till I'm 16. And then 16 came. And I said, man, I can't wait till I'm 21. And then 21 came. In fact, it came quite a while ago. And, uh, and I said, man, I can't wait till I'm 25. And 25 came. And, uh, boy, can't wait till I'm older. And that's how kids are a lot of times. But you know what, kids? I want to tell you something, that life doesn't get any simpler when you get older. Life gets more complicated the older you get. And life doesn't come with less problems. Life comes with more problems. And, uh, and so you may be here today and you say, Preacher, I don't need this. I'm encouraged. Man, I'm footloose and fancy free. And man, I'm having a great old time. And by the way, that's wonderful. We rejoice with you this morning if that's how it is with you. But you may be here this morning and, and uh, you say, Boy, Preacher, I'm just sort of scraping the bottom right now. I mean, I've got some things going on in my life and maybe nobody knows. Maybe you don't know. And, uh, but boy, I'm glad the Lord knows, aren't you? And so I want to say, listen, you probably need to be sure you take this one and put it in a good place or take a note or two. I'll put a few things up on the screen, but not a whole lot today. And, uh, but you may want to take a note or two or <clears throat> write some things down in the, in the margin of your Bible, and, uh, and, I, and maybe you can go back to and study it later, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. How to encourage yourself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the privilege of being in church today. Thank you for help. To be here. Thank you, God, for our church family, how precious they are to us. And, and God, we just <clears throat> appreciate the great music and the singing and the choir and the specials. And uh, Lord, I'm glad that Lord sang that song. And Lord, how true that is. Lord, he's more than wonderful. And God, that's so true today. And I pray now that, Father, you'll help us as we get around the word for a few minutes. <clears throat> and Lord, I pray that you'll touch us spiritually. And I pray you'll touch us physically. And God, I pray that, God, the physical not, will not be able to get in the way. I pray that we'll be able to be a blessing and we'll be able to accomplish your will today. So I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you'll bless our dear folks today. And God, we pray that Jesus will receive glory. And Lord, as we close this prayer, God, just in case, if there might be one here today that has never been saved and they don't know for sure they're on their way to heaven, I pray today will be the day that they'll trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so, Lord, help us, please. We love you and praise you and ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. As we come to 1 Samuel chapter 30, 
we notice that David is in need of serious, serious encouragement. We notice here that depression and discouragement has, has entered the camp and really more than entered the camp, really that, that environment of discouragement, that climate of discouragement has really begun to take over. The Bible talks about uh, all the people are distressed. In fact, the Bible says, man, they're so distressed that they're thinking about stoning David. They begin to blame him for all their problems. And, and, uh, and, uh, and so there's that climate of depression that has entered the camp. And with that today, church, may I say this, that discouragement needs to be dealt with before it becomes overwhelming. If, if you don't deal with it, and I'll get into this more in just a little while or maybe tonight, but if you don't deal with it, you know what? Sometimes depression can, can become debilitating. Depression can get to the place where it robs you of your joy. Depression can get to the place where you, you're no longer the mother that you need to be. You got people depending on you. How many know that I believe the women uh, and, and a woman's spirit is the candle of the Lord? I believe it's the spirit of the home. And, uh, and I believe, Mama, as, as your spirit goes, so goes the spirit of the home. And if you're depressed and discouraged all the time, guess what? Your home's going to sort of follow that, that pattern. And if, you're not, if you don't deal with discouragement, you know what? How many know this? That discouragement can have a bearing on your job. It can. Uh, depression can cause you to get fired. Depression can cause you to, to call in when you shouldn't call in and not show up when you ought to be showing up. And so I just said that to say this, that if you feel yourself becoming discouraged, listen, do something about it. Man, and by the way, you're doing something about it by being here today, and I appreciate it. And do something about it by being back tonight for the message tonight. You say, Pastor, what's going on? Well, the Bible tells us here in 1 Samuel that David and his men have been fighting alongside of a fellow by the name of King Achish. And uh, sort of an odd pairing here because Achish is the king of the Philistines, really the, the enemies of the Israelites. But David is fighting alongside of King Achish here. And, and one of the reasons that it's that way is because he and his men are also being pursued by another king by the name of Saul. And Saul is jealous of David. David's never really done anything. He's never committed a crime. But he's being hunted down like an animal. And David is, is on a hit list, if you will. They're on the run, if you will. And, and David is running for his life. And during that time, he has... Uh, he's formed an ally with, with King Achish and he's fighting along uh, the, the, the side of the, the king of the Philistines. But uh, now King Achish in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 29, now King Achish has sent David away, not because David's done anything, not because David has committed a crime. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible tells us that David was such a mighty warrior that the men, that King Achish's men got a little scared. And they came to the king, and they said, King David is such a mighty fighting force that if he ever decides to turn on us, we're toast. We've had it. And so we think you ought to send him away. We, we You know, uh, take he and his men and, and tell them, you know, God bless you, but we don't want you anymore, and, and send them back to their, to their own places. So that's what's going on here uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 29 and 1 Samuel chapter 30. So David and his men, sure enough, they leave King Achish and they head back to a place called Ziglag. It's their hometown, their place that he's given them, a place where they make their home. 
Mayberry, RFD, if you will. That's where they're headed back to, and that's where their wives are. That's where their kids are. That's, that's where their dogs are. That's, that's where, you know, their homes are. And so you can understand they've been gone for many, many weeks now. Man, they are so excited about going home, and just like you would be if you've been away from your wife for, for weeks and weeks. Boy, you couldn't wait to get home to, man, uh, to give her a hug and give her a kiss, and that's where they are. Man, they've not seen their little boys and their little girls in a long time. They've not slept in their bed and put their head on their pillow in a long time and so man they they are just super excited about getting home and man giving their wife a kiss and, and hugging the children and playing ball and sleeping in their bed and, man just having a good time and and, uh, and all of a sudden you know what all of that all of that comes crashing to a halt now I don't know exactly how it happened but in my imagination this is what I can see long before they get to home long before they get to Ziglag they see some smoke they see some smoke. And they know that, you know what, that smoke is, is blacker than it should be. It's thicker than it should be. That's not just a campfire. That's not just somebody camping out. Uh, but they, 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 they're warriors. They know what smoke looks like. They know what a, a town that's burning, they know what it looks like. And so when they come to the horizon and they see the hometown, they know it's just over the next hill. They begin to see this black smoke barreling up. Of course, boy, they put those horses and camels in high gear and they, uh, boy, they, I mean, they head off to the hometown and when they get there, they find that Ziglag has been burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters are all gone. Boy, think about that. Can you imagine the hurt? The celebration has been cut short. Now, church, uh, this is what I'm preaching. It's at this point that David has a choice to make. David can give in to discouragement or David can encourage himself. By the way, if David would have waited for somebody to encourage him, guess what? Encouragement never would have come. Not only did they not want to encourage him, they wanted to discourage him. I mean, listen, they weren't thinking clearly. They loved David, but they weren't thinking clearly. They were distressed. They were depressed. They were, uh, they were in shock. They were uh, traumatized. And, and so, boy, they're getting ready to, I mean, they just, they, you know, they're having crazy thoughts. And, and so they're thinking about killing David. I'm just saying this, that the truth of the matter is, if you wait on somebody to encourage you, the truth of the matter is that that encouragement may not always come. There may not always be an encourager. Boy, you, you want your spouse to encourage you. But how many know there are times when your spouse just can't encourage you? Is that right? That is right. Man, I've learned, listen, one thing I've learned through the years here at Calvary, and it took me longer to learn this than I should have when I first started pastoring. Every problem in the church I took to my wife, told her about it. You know what I found out real quick? I couldn't do that. So sometimes there'll be problems going on in the church. My wife never knows about it. So don't get mad at her if she acts sort of ignorant about it because I don't tell her all, the, all that's going on. You know, why? Cause I, you know why I've learned? I've learned that it draws her spirit down. And if it pulls her spirit down, man, she can't build my spirit up. And, uh, and so sometimes I have to sort of shield her from that. You know what that's like. And Well, sometimes you, sometimes you want your supervisor to encourage you, but he doesn't encourage you. He discourages you. And well, sometimes you're wanting that promotion and sometimes you're hoping for that raise and, and, uh, and rather than get the raise, he says you're getting a cut. 
And rather than getting a raise, they're cutting your hours. And, and I'm just saying this. You know what? The truth of the matter is that there's going to come times in your life and my life when there's not going to be somebody always there to encourage you. Uh, and so for that matter, you know what? We need to learn how to encourage ourselves. Now, I'm interested in verse number 6. The Bible says in verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Oh, I love this. The Bible says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord. I want to give you today in the service this morning and tonight, uh, and this is maybe just teaching material, I don't know, but I, I want to give you some things that I believe can help you to encourage yourself. How about this? Number one, the first thing I notice in 1 Samuel chapter 30 is people, is people. Now, let me say this, church. People that you choose to place in your life can do one of two things. They can encourage you or they can discourage you. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Now, one of the very first things I notice here about David is this. I notice that the, the, the first person David speaks to during this time of discouragement is the very person that's in charge of spiritual health. Now, uh, look at it with me. Uh, look at it with me, if you will. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 30 and look at verse number 6. The Bible says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now, church, look at verse 7. The Bible says, Now, this is the very first person David speaks to, and David said to Abiathar the priest, the very first person David spoke to was the guy that was in charge of spiritual health among their group, the guy that was in charge of encouragement, the guy that was in charge of worship, the guy that was in charge of their spiritual welfare. Think about this now. David has 600 men. And I'm sure some of those men were close. I'm sure they were close confidants. Uh, but, and think about this. David could have chose to speak to any of those 600, but, you know, the first person he spoke to was Abiathar. The priest was the first one he spoke to. Now, I said that, say this. Listen, when you're discouraged, when you're discouraged, be sure that you don't talk to somebody who's going to make you more discouraged. It's very important when you're discouraged that you talk to the right people, that you bring the right people into your life. Amen. Oh, my goodness. I wish somehow I could get this across to you more than I'm doing right now and just tell you how important this is. Oh, listen to me. When you're going through a time of down, you're going through a time of discouragement. Uh, listen, how about this? When, you're, when, you, when you feel a critical spirit, don't get somebody who's critical around you. Because when you're already critical and then you put somebody else who's critical around you, you know what's going to happen? You're going to become more critical. Uh, listen, if you're here this morning and you're battling with bitterness, did you know the last person you need to put in your life is somebody who's bitter? Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to pour bitterness into them. They're going to pour bitterness into you. And uh, you know what? You're going to come out of that situation. You're not going to come out any better. You're going to come out the worst. 
If you're here this morning and, and you're doubting and you're a doubter and you say, preacher, I'm just the kind of, I'm just apprehensive and I don't have a lot of faith and, and I just, you know, I, I just doubt, then the last person you want to bring into your life is somebody that's a doubter, somebody that, that has no faith. And so when you're going through a hard time, when you're going through a discouraging time, when you're going through a depressing time, it's very important. Oh, my soul, it's very important that you put the right kind of people around you. I mean, surround yourself with people that are stronger than you, with people that are more positive than you, with people that are more encouraging you, with people that are forgiving more than you, with people who have a great spirit. Be sure that you surround yourself with those kind of people. Now, why is it, why is it that, that we do this a lot of times? When we're going through a tough time, you know what we do, church? We bring people into our life who are going to speak things and we already know what they're going to speak. We do that, don't we? I mean, we already know what they're going to say. But we bring those people into our life, people who, you know what, we know before we even talk to them, we know they're going to agree with us. We know that they're going to say what we want to hear. So, I mean, we're having problems on the job and, and we go to somebody who we know what they're going to say. And we say, well, I tell you, I'm so ticked. I'm so ticked right now. I mean, I'm thinking about quitting my job. And we know that person. We know what kind of spirit they have. And so they're going to say, boy, you ought to. You ought to quit. Now, do you have anything else lined up? No, but you ought to quit. Uh, any other applications put in? No, but you ought to quit. Uh, any other way of providing for your family? No, but you ought to quit. I mean, you know, I don't even think about that. I'll tell you what, I mean, just tell them to, to take this job and shove it. And I mean, brother, it don't matter. Now, wait a minute now, listen to me. You know what, when you're thinking like that, the last kind of people you need to put in your life are people who think like that too. And so we need to be bring people into our life that are going to speak the right kind of things into our life. Listen, somebody says, you know, uh, uh, having problems in the home and, and, uh, and, and you're thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave my wife. And you know what we do a lot of times? We go talk to the guy that's having problems with his wife. I'm thinking about leaving that old battle axe. Boy, I would too. I don't blame you. That's what I do. Man, that's encouraging, isn't it? Hey, now, now, wait a minute now. But that's what we do a lot of times. We, we bring those people in our lives. We, we're, we're thinking about quitting school. You know, we're discouraged about our grades or discouraged about homework. And, and so we're thinking about quitting school. So who do we talk to? We talk to someone who just quit. I'm thinking about quitting. Man, I would. Man, it's the life. I'm telling you, it's the life. Got a job? No. Bringing any money? No. It's the life. Amen. How you eating? Well, mom and daddy, you know. How old you say you were? 30. Oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just saying, but that's how we do a lot of times. When we're down, when we're discouraged, we, we, we talk to the doubter, we talk to the critic, we, we, we talk to the one that is bitter, we talk to the one that is angry. You know, we're thinking about quitting church, and so who do we talk to? We don't talk to the person who loves God, loves church, loves the choir, loves Sunday school. Well, choir sure done a great job today. Man, preacher sure hit it out of the park yesterday, didn't he? Why don't we ever talk to those folks? You know who we talk to? We, we handpick. 
and we talk to that person, we know what they're going to say for We talk to them, and we say, well, I'm thinking about leaving. Well, I don't blame you. I'm sort of dissatisfied myself. I know, that's why you went to them. Now, now, church, all I'm saying is this. When you're going through a time, if you really want to encourage yourself, if you're not depending on your wife, you're not depending on somebody else, if you really want to encourage yourself, it's important that you put the right kind of people into your life. When, it is, when you're discouraged, it's important, uh, listen, you, that you put people in your life that are going to speak life into your life. And it may not be what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. Uh, listen, it's important that you listen to things that speak life into your life. Things that speak encouragement into your discouragement. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, listen to what it says. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Matthew chapter 13, verse 15, listen to what the Bible says. For this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing. Proverbs chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. This is all I'm saying. Man, if Brother Brandon gets discouraged, the last thing in the world he wants is to get around somebody else who's discouraged. Man, he needs to find somebody who's in love with Jesus and who has a heart for the Word of God and somebody who has his eyes in the right place, and Brother Brandon goes to them and says, and by the way, by the way, there's nothing wrong with being discouraged. We all visit there from time to time, but I'm just saying this, Brandon needs to go somewhere and say, brother, I just want to let you know I'm a little discouraged right now. Why? So somebody can pour into him and say, hey, brother, I know this is going on, but, but let, let me tell you, God brought me through this and, and God's going to help you and God's going to bless you and God's going to use you and God's going to bring you through this thing and it's very important that we listen, that we listen to the right kind of things. Hey, I wrote down several things. How about this? When you're discouraged, it's important that you listen to the right kind of podcast. Now, if you don't know what a podcast is, then I'll put it like this. It's important that you listen to the right kind of message. All a podcast is is just little recordings of messages and services. And, and uh, we have a, a church podcast here where people can go online and they can listen to numerous services uh, that are archived on that, uh, on that uh, uh, podcast website. Uh, I'm talking about listen to podcasts that are beneficial to your spirit, things that are going to encourage you, things that are going to lift you up, things that are going to speak life into your life. It's important that you listen to sermons. Preaching sermons that are going to encourage you and strengthen you and build you up. And listen, with all you've got pulling you down nowadays, you listen, you need everything you can get, man, to build you up. When you're discouraged, you don't need Jerry Springer. By the way, when you're encouraged, you don't need Jerry Springer. In fact, you don't ever need Jerry Springer. But I'm just saying this, you know what? You don't want to listen to things, anything like that. When you're discouraged, you know why? It's going to pull you down. It's going to pull you down. It's very important that you put the right kind of people into your life so you can listen to them and so they can pour into you. Uh, it's important that you listen to the right kind of podcast. It's important that you listen to the right kind of sermons. I put this down. It's important that you listen to the right kind of music. Amen. Man, sometimes when I'm discouraged, I'm amazed at the power of music. Music has power. Boy, it does. 
And, and when, you're, when you're a little blue or when you're, going through, when you're going through a hard time, it's very important that you listen to the right kind of music. Listen, not all music is encouraging. And if you're already discouraged and then you start listening to songs that talk about, you know, old blue died and my Ford pickup, you know, passed away and, and, uh, and somebody shot my wife and, and, uh, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, man, I'm crying in my beer and my wife just left me. I mean, brother, good night. That would discourage the most encouraged person in the world. Is that true? Man, that is true this morning. It hadn't been all that long ago. I'm telling you, brother, music has power. Yes, hadn't been all that long ago. I used this in a sermon. It's been several years back now where the call, the 911 call went out uh, of a young man that was suicidal. And when they got there, they got there too late. And the young man was laying in his bed and had taken his life, put a gun to his head and taken his life. And when they found that young man, teenage boy, when they found him in the bed, he had earphones own and they could hear music playing very loudly and it was very wild music they took those headphones off and it was a guy by the name of Ozzy Osbourne and he was singing a song by the by the name of Suicide Solution now that's what I'm saying music's got power and man when you're struggling when you're discouraged uh, you say preacher I Boy, I didn't feel like coming to church today. Well, be sure on the way to church you put the right kind of music in. Amen. Listen to music that talks about Jesus and listen to music that talks about heaven and listen to music that talks about life. Hey, it's important that you listen to the right kind of podcast, that you listen to the right kind of sermons, that you listen to the right kind of music. I thought about this. It's even, I believe this, I believe from time to time, if you're discouraged, it's important that you listen to things that are humorous. Now, I'm just the kind of person, I do the same thing pretty much every single day. Every day, I take a, a lunch, uh, every day, about right around 1 o'clock. And, uh, and I, I eat the same thing every day. I'm not going to tell you what I eat because it's not very healthy. But I eat the same thing. It's sort of low in calories. and so, But I eat the same thing every day. And then I usually, every day about 1 o'clock, I usually watch at least about 15 minutes of Andy Griffith every single day. I have to get my Barney fix every day. Now, here's the thing. I know what's going to happen. I know exactly what they're going to say. I know exactly when the audience is going to laugh. I know exactly when Barney's going to say nip it in the bud. I know exactly. I know exactly when he's going to shoot himself in the holster. I know exactly. But I still laugh. I still laugh. And you know what? There are times when, uh, I, and, and we keep some Andy Griffith and I Love Lucy, we keep it on hand. And, uh, and you know what? Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes I don't need Fox News. In fact, I can't take but about, I can't take but about 15 minutes of it. And it's time to turn it something else. I mean, you talk about discouragement, brother, and, and, if, and go to CNN if you want to get more discouraged. You, you want to get depression, go to MSNBC. But anyway, and, and, but, you know, just about 15 minutes, and then I have to go some, to something that's positive and something that makes me laugh and something that, that is humorous. Listen, God gave you a sense of humor. Do you know that? And it's important, it's important that we laugh at the right kind of thing. And so uh, you say, preacher, how can I encourage? Well, we got to hurry. Oh, good night. Uh, uh, how can I encourage myself? 
uh, people. Now take your Bibles real quickly. Hold your place at 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want you to look at verse number 33 with me, if you will. 1 Corinthians 15. And look at verse number 33. And notice what the Apostle Paul challenges the church of Corinth about. 1 Corinthians 15. Now this is where Paul says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and all that. But we, we never pay much attention to this verse though. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Paul says, Be not deceived. Now look what he says, Calvary. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Now, uh, study that out. You know what that, that's talking about? Your crowd. That's what that, that's talking Your crowd, the people you run with, the people you put around you. The people in your pod, the people, uh, the, the, the people in your little clan, the people that, that you run around with, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. In other words, it'll pull you down. Now look what Paul said, verse number 34. Paul said, awake to righteousness. Awake to righteousness and sin not. And look what Paul says. For some have not the knowledge of God. In other words, Paul said, brother, you don't need to be hanging around everybody because everybody's not going to help you. The truth of the matter is, there are some people who are going to pull you down. Now, am I saying that you ought to be rude? No. But you probably ought not go out to McDonald's with them either, though. I'm not saying you have to cuss them out. You shouldn't cuss them out. I'm not saying that you ought to be rude uh, like you're better than them. But I do, I do believe this, that if they're, they're the kind of person that's going to pull you down and discourage you and, and, uh, and attack your faith, you know what truth matter is? You probably need to love them from a distance. By the way, there are family members who you have to do this with. We all have family members who we love them. We have to love them from a distance. I love you. It's good talking to you once in a while. Not often. What's good to see at Christmas? Not every day. Am I telling the truth this morning? Oh, yeah. You know why? Because, because of the way they are. They'd pull you down. They'll pull you down. They'll keep you from being the person that God wants you to be. Now, we got to get off this point. Good night. We ain't got nowhere this morning. How about this? People. But what, what, what's something else that we can do to encourage ourselves? Number, number two is prayer. Now go back to 1 Samuel chapter 30 again, and let's look at our story. 1 Samuel chapter 30, I'll hit this point fast. I figured I probably wouldn't get but, but through the first two here. 1 Samuel chapter 30, and look at verse number 7. Now David's in a terrible, terrible uh, uh, time of discouragement. And verse number 7, And David said to Abiathar the priest to Himelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. That was that priestly garment. Verse 8, watch, watch now. And David, verse 8, and David inquired at the Lord. Can you say that with me? Ready? And David inquired at the Lord. Can you say it one more time? And David inquired at the Lord. Hey, the very first thing that David did, he prayed. He prayed. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 18, verse 6. The psalmist said, In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple 
and my cry came before him even into his ears. And so when you're discouraged, pray, <laughs> pray, pray. You say, now wait a minute, preacher, why should I pray when I'm discouraged? Because prayer encourages. Now you say, where do you get that from? Let me give you several reasons as we close. Several reasons that prayer encourages. Number one, because you're taking action to make things better. When you pray, you're taking action to make things better. I'm taking part in something that could definitely solve my problem. Now think about this. This is so simple. Let think about this. If my grass in my yard is a foot high, and every time I come home, I say, man, look at that grass, Rick. That is ridiculous. That's hideous, man. Look at that grass. It's a foot high. You can't even walk through it. I ought to bail hay. I mean, staring. You can't even find my dog out there. Take it out. I lost it. I couldn't find my dog. And if you took my dog out in the foot, you would. You would lose it. And uh, wait a minute now. And then the next week, I come home, and I say, good night. Look at that grass. That's wicked. I mean, I, man, that's discouraging. And then the next week, I come home, and I say, man, look at the grass. That's depressing. Guess what? It's going to stay depressing until I crank up my lawnmower and do something about it. Are y'all with me? And how many of us know people who all they ever do is complain about the grass? Look at the grass. Look at the grass. And you want to say, why don't you cut it? Why don't you cut it? I mean, quit complaining about it. Quit bellyaching about it. Quit being depressed about it. And get, listen, bless God. You say, well, I don't have a John Deere. Well, hey, do you have a, do you have a push mower? Then get out there. Do you have a sling? I mean, do you have a weed eater? I mean, something. I'm just saying this, brother. You know what? The only way I'm going to feel better about that long grass is if I do something about it. Brother, listen, when you're praying, when, you, when you're going through a hard time and you say, preacher, I don't know what to do, but I start praying, you know what you're doing? You're taking action. And you're saying, yes, I don't know what else to do, but I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray, and I'm taking action, I'm taking action in something that can, that can remedy this situation. Listen, if I'm sick, but I never take any medicine, how can I expect my health to improve? And I'm saying this, church, when problems come, If you do nothing, it encourages discouragement. I've got a problem, but I'm not doing anything about it. Listen, somebody said it like this. If you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Einstein, I think it was Einstein that said this, doing the same things over and over but expecting different results is insanity. But yet, church, we live in that, that, we live in that life now, that society now. Because I ain't got no money. I am so sick of not having any money. I'm so sick of it. Where do you work at? Well, I, I don't work a job. Okay. Then do something about it. Nobody's hiring. Hog wash. That's a union word for a fiddle faddle. Amen. I mean, I'm telling you, brother. Listen, 
if I have to go down to McDonald's and flip Big Mac patties to support my family, I'm going to do it. Quit complaining about stuff when you're not going to do something about it. Man, oh man, do something about it. And when you don't do anything, when you don't do anything, you know what happens? Discouragement comes. I heard this this week from listening to one of those podcasts I'm talking about. Somebody, somebody said this, that nobody ever died from falling into quicksand. Well, should preach right here? It is right. Nobody ever died from falling into quicksand. They died because they didn't get out. If you're here this morning and you're in quicksand, get out. You're here this morning, you're in the quicksand of discouragement, pray. Man, pray. I mean, pray. Pray like everything depends on God. And I mean, get somewhere. Get out there in the pea patch or get out there in the woods somewhere or get over there in your prayer closet or get in your car and, and drive to Winston. You said, I don't have to go to Winston. Go to Winston anyway and drive to Winston or Charlotte or go somewhere and just pray and pray and say, God, oh God, help my marriage and oh God, help my family. Oh God, help my kids and oh God, I pray you'll help me with a job and God, I, I pray that you'll meet every need. And I mean, brother, just pour your heart out to God. Why does prayer encourage because thank God you're doing something that can make a difference. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus, for the message this morning. You say, preacher, why does prayer encourage? Because we believe that God hears and answers our prayers. We don't have time to go there, but I'll read it for you. First John, if you're taking notes. First John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Why does prayer encourage? Are you listening? Why does prayer encourage? Because when we pray, we believe, brother, this is not just mindless words. I'm not just, I'm not just, listen, I'm not just rattling on, brother. I'm talking to God. And I believe my, I don't know about you, I, I believe my God hears me. And by the way, when, when that prayer is answered, you talk about encouragement. Yeah, I, I told you this the other day, but I, God knows. And I, there's other people praying, no doubt about that. But I'm in, the, I'm in my prayer closet and I'm praying, God, Help Zach and Amber. God, help Hayden. God, you know what's going on. You know how expensive it is out there. I said, Lord, they need a place. God, they need a place. Lord, you know how much they're paying for that little banquet room there in that hotel. God, they need a place. God, they need a place. Lord, could you provide a place? I know thou art able. Could you provide a place for Haven? Could you provide a place? God, would you bless? It couldn't have been 10 minutes. It couldn't have been 10 minutes. My phone rang. It said Zach Pope on it. I said, hello. He said, Dad, I just want to call you and share some good news with you. I said, good, I love good news. Tell me, tell me about it. He said, man, he said, I went and met with one of our men today, and he said, they're going to let us have the Christian school, and he said, we're going to get to meet there for our midweek service. I said, how much is going to cost you? He said, free. I said, hallelujah. He hears and answers our prayers. Oh, yes, yes. He hears and answers our prayers. And when you pray and God hears your prayers, let me tell you something, brother, that'll encourage you. We got to hurry. Good night. I told you I had too much. You say, prayer. You say, preacher, why does prayer encourage you? Oh, this is a good one. 
Number three, because when we pray, we enter into the presence of God. Now, listen to me and I'm done. I'm going to be done in just a second. How many know this morning that the presence of Satan is an environment of darkness? Did you know that Satan, Satan, when Satan comes and demons, when demons come, they do not bring a spirit of light. They're, they're powers of darkness, spiritual darkness, high places, darkness. So whenever you find a kid that's wanting to commit suicide, I want to tell you something. Jesus is not there. That's not Jesus. Let me tell you who's in that room. Satan's in that room. Because he loves death, he dwells in death, he dwells in darkness. So you find yourself just unbelievably discouraged. Let me tell you what that is. That's a, that's a spirit of darkness. And here's the great thing about what I'm preaching this morning is this. When we get into the presence of God, in the presence of God, there's always a spirit of encouragement. Have you ever, ever been in one of our services here at Calvary where it just sort of broke loose? I mean, we didn't know what happened. I mean, God just, God just moved in. We had, when was that one? Year, several years ago we had one like that. No, we've never had this happen. We had a service that went almost 11 o'clock. Almost 11 o'clock. And by the way, nobody was doing this. When are we getting out of here? In fact, when we ended that service, people stayed and 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 stayed. And stayed. You know why they stayed? You know why they stayed? Because there was a spirit here, and it was a spirit of encouragement. You ever had Jesus move in the car with you? You ever got going down the road, going down the interstate, and you put in that song? I mean, you put in that song, and boy, for some reason on this day, I mean, that song, woo, come on now, you know? And I mean, brother, it started getting misty in the car and sort of foggy in the car, and, and you could just feel the presence of God. Hey, remember how good that felt? You see, when you enter into that, that presence, it's a spirit of encouragement. Now, we're, 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 we're done. But I, I, I got three places. I'll just show you one. I want to show you all three, but I'll just show you one. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. And look, if you will, at verse, at, at, uh, verse number two. This is the story of the transfiguration. They're on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus takes that inner circle. Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And the Bible says he's transfigured before them. And he, for at least for an instant, he drops that robe of flesh and they see his glory, the glory. Now look what happens. Matthew 17, verse 2. The Bible says and was transfigured before them and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was white as the light. And then look what happened. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias or Elijah talking with, with him, talking to Jesus. Look at verse 4, church. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. In other words, you know what Peter was saying? Lord, can we just stay? Can we just stay up here on the mountain? I mean, it's so good. Peter is so encouraged. You know why he's encouraged? Because the presence of God 
is all over that mountain. And he said, Lord, it's good. Oh, it's good. Can we just, let's don't go down. Let's don't go, let's just stay. Let's just stay. And when you're discouraged, and I can't even explain all of this, but when you're discouraged, but you crawl to that prayer closet. I don't want to go. I don't feel like going, but you crawl. You say, God, I don't feel like praying. I don't want to pray, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And you walk to that prayer closet, and all of a sudden you close your eyes, and you enter into the presence of the Holy One. I can't explain it all, but I'm just telling you, brother, His presence is a presence of encouragement. His presence is a presence of light, and it'll encourage you, and it'll strengthen you, and it'll help you to get on down the road a little bit further. And how many people need to be here this morning to hear this message? Yes, sir, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the word of God. And Lord, I thank you that the Bible tells us how we can be encouraged. Oh, my soul, thank you for the message. God, you spoke to my heart. I know that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, help us not to live in discouragement. Help us not to settle for depression. Help us not to settle for negativity and just living down. Oh God, I pray today that you'll give us some folks at Calvary Baptist Church who'll say, by the grace of God, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. Now Father, I pray you'll, you'll help us tonight like you helped us this morning. But I pray, God, that you're working hearts today. I think the altar's already with many people in it. Maybe there's others that ought to come. Father, encourage us today. Lord, if there's one here today that's never been saved, I pray today will be the day that they'll trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Father, help us, please. We love you, praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. The pianists will play, the altar's open. If you need to come and just find a place, just come down here and find a place. You don't have to tell anybody why you're coming unless you want to. Pastor will make his way to the main floor here in just a moment. And if you need prayer, I'll be here to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you today. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm discouraged. Well, I'm glad there's encouragement with the Lord. And we'll pray with you about that. If you're here today, you say, Preacher, if I died today, I'm not really sure that I would go to heaven, okay? Then why don't you come and let us take God's word and show you how you can.